What's going on, guys? We are back with another episode. This is the Just Figuring It Out podcast, and we have a very special episode because we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Pressure Cooker King himself, <laughs> Robbie Jester. What's going on, yeah, man? I got, I got a tattoo, so it's got to be true. What's right? going you on, know? man? You're the guy, man. Yep. What's going uh, on? You know, it's good to be here in the legendary Atlas Gym. Yes, bro. Uh, you know, I supported uh, I supported during COVID, but I've never been here, so it's nice to walk through the doors. Oh, really? First time here? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yep. Wow, wow. And, yep. then you, and then you're going to get a workout in after this, right? Sure. What are you hitting? Got the pre-workout right there. That's what I like. So, I like so I cut myself earlier in the week, so I've kind of been, like, taking it light. I'm just going to do full body. Okay. Let's do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Okay. It is yeah, I couldn't grip the weights earlier. All right, you got to get a leg day in with us. We do this every Sunday. So we're, I, we're off the pre-workout a little bit, listen, so don't mind us. <laughs> I, I offered this man a 6 a.m. workout. He's like, I'm just not that guy. He was like, I'm not that guy. By the way, do we curse on this? We allowed to? Yeah. yeah. Talk your talk, yeah. I'm not that fucking guy. Talk your talk, man. Talk so, your talk. Cool, cool. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure having you, man. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So, Robbie, we obviously know who you are and what you do, but a lot of viewers and listeners don't. Can you give us a little rundown of what you do? Yeah, so I am a chef, restaurateur, entrepreneur. I grew up as a restaurant brat, so I've been in the business, around the business, through the business my entire life. My parents had a sports bar growing up, and I always uh, kind of tell the story. My first job was in the sports bar. I would go in with my grandfather in the summer. I was like eight years old, mm. and I would clean the floors, and this is when you could still smoke in bars. So, oh, so I... Uh, I would clean the floors and and the bathrooms and stuff like that and take the trash out and I like the trash can was like over my head and I remember just specifically like pushing trash bags over my head and like stale beer and like cigarettes hit me in the face as I'm like pushing it in there but like my grandfather paid me with roll of quarters uh and i loved the crane machine in the the bar so i would like you know whatever like little trinkets or whatever you win with the crane machine so i'd put the whole ten dollars back in the crane machine and uh, my my grandfather was a genius businessman he got me two whole fucking summers off the same roller quarters as soon as i would get done he would go hey go out in the car he would open it up pull the quarters out rewrap them and that would be my <laughs> that's what's up so, that's what's up starting you early yeah, oh yeah so was there ever a time growing up where in the industry you're like oh my god this is annoying like i would rather be doing something else like of course i'm sure but like have you ever felt that a bunch of times yeah i would say less recently but like, was it more of a demand like robbie get in here or was it more like hey help oh, us out? so the so the opposite for you know i was i started working like in the kitchen kitchen mm. at 12 and started working on the line at 14 oh wow and then started running the line at 15 so it was like me and my like 15 16 year old friends mm were running the line. It was a little Eastern Shore seafood restaurant called the Harbor House. Uh, and we were making like filet mignon, lobsters, crab cakes, stuff like that. I didn't knew that shit was expensive. I just knew that like, I, like it was like a math problem to me. I just knew like, okay, you're gonna put this, this, this and it together. Sure. You're gonna put it in the oven sure. for six minutes. Yeah. This cooks faster on the top shelf. Let's figure it out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we would do like hundreds of covers, just like me and like three of my, my buddies. So, um, I like fell in love with it mm-hmm. and my dad been a chef his whole life and kind of had seen like the, the shittier parts of mm-hmm. of what our business used to be like and mm-hmm. can be like if you let it mm-hmm. uh, so he was like pushing me like get good grades go do something else go be a doctor lawyer what like something else mm-hmm. so the push for me was always get out get out get out get out get out oh okay like, i need you because you're good but like right but eventually get out. eventually yeah. go find your own path oh, okay awesome so awesome. when i so culinary school that whole pathway was not an option okay um 
and uh, I had very good grades, and I had some scholarship money. Nice. Um, not full, but like almost full to go to Michigan State for medical technology. And about a week before I was uh, supposed to leave, I walked into my parents' bedroom. I was like, hey, guys, like, uh, I'm not doing it. I can't do it. Word. And my dad was like, uh, okay. And I could just see it just boiling. And he was like, what a waste of your fucking life. He said that? Right in my face. How'd you feel? What cook with meal dad after that? <laughs> maybe he's right, but I don't think he is. Like, I, I specifically remember like thinking that. Like that's awful that you would say that to me, but we kind of had like a challenging relationship the sure. whole time I worked there. Sure. And um yeah, so I he was like, and then immediately after that was like, Well, you're not gonna lay around my fucking house, you gotta do something. Mm-hmm. So I had saved up enough money and uh had an interest in massage school, so I went and got a certificate in massage and body work because nice. I could like pay for that out of pocket, sure. and that gave me enough time to apply for culinary school and then leave and go to culinary school. Nice. So, so do you feel like your dad being so tough on you made you who you are today? Hundred fifty percent. Hundred fifty in ways I haven't even discovered yet. Um, but yes, so he made me fast. He made me efficient. He made me in some ways deeply insecure about certain things that I do mm-hmm. um, to the point where I question a lot of like th- things that I'm good at not like I not, like but I'll question them a lot and uh, but also gave me the conviction that if someone t- tells you you're not good enough at something mm-hmm. to just like well who the fuck are you like, right, 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 right. Um, so he used to say to me like uh, things like I would like make a mistake like we were like making pastries or something like that well chef or well son you're never going to be a pastry chef oh and then, shoot and then from there i would just be like oh well i'm going to show you i'm going to i'm going right. not only am i going to be good at it but i'm going to be better than you sure. and better than most so um i consider myself not i'm not a pastry chef but i do consider myself very skilled yeah. in the realm of pastry versus another savory chef who's like all i make is creme brulee right 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 um, you can see where the, it manifests that um when you see yourself on tv you have that um that demeanor about you that's like it's all or nothing and clearly you see the the ending result of that as you're finishing it up man you got it yeah and you know i just i just filmed some more tv that i could only like say a few things about but sure. um because it won't air for like another eight months but sure. uh it's funny because you know there's a dessert component to that show and they're all the first thing all the chefs are sitting around going do you do pastry, pastry? <laughs> i feel like we're afraid <laughs> and they're all like no no all i like one guy's like i only know how to do two things yeah, yeah. And, and then they come to me and they're like do you do pastry i was like yeah yeah, we're, like, we're, we're afraid of that guy. And they were we're like, afraid of that guy. Like it was like it was like we got to get him out before that happens. Like you know what I mean? Sure. So sure. it was. It's funny, but like I also think that that's important. Like when you have a trade like this, yeah. or any any sort of trade, but like to be well rounded, mm-hmm. specialize in some things that really like mm-hmm. drive passion for you that you enjoy. Mm-hmm. But you have to like understand the other aspects. Absolutely. And man, I lose a lot of respect for a chef that goes, nope. I, I don't do I don't, I don't do, do pastry. That. I don't sure. do the sweets. I don't do the breads. I'm sure. like, well, then you're. Because yeah. you have to ask yourself. Chef. You have to ask yourself. Are you in love with that craft? Because that craft has various avenues. And like you said, if you're really in love with it, even if I'm not good at certain things or even really dabbling it as much, I want to at least get familiar with this this realm or this um this you know this direction of it. So I agree. 
And I think too that like it's important to if you choose something as your craft, your career, your mm -hmm. passion, that you become an expert in that. Mm -hmm. And I think if you shut yourself off to certain parts of that, then yes. you can't become an expert. Mm -hmm. And you also can't communicate effectively about it. So when you're in a room with real ones, mm -hmm. they pick you out immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I you know, that's kind of like when I've done these competition shows and the chefs are like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do that. I'm yeah. like, well, like now I know where, now I know where to take you out at the knees. Absolutely. You know, like, absolutely. And I, and I'm unafraid, yeah. you know, and that's Peace. super powerful. Peace. And I love the competition shows. I love the, the opportunity to stretch yeah. um, my skills and everything like that. And it really has become like, a thing that I do versus something, some you know, something that happened to me. Absolutely. So now it's like I coach high school kids that compete um, in Delaware. We have the I don't know if you have it in New Jersey, but it's called the Pro Star Program, and it's a specific uh, culinary arts mm -hmm. training program. Mm -hmm. And they basically it's a curriculum. It's what they're taught through through the schools in the, the Botech schools, but then it's also a competition that they have once a year they compete at the state level they win at the state level they win some scholarships some notoriety and stuff but then they go to the nationals where they can win a free ride to culinary school if they want um, so three years so i've been head judge for that competition for like the last four or five years and nice. then i was just a judge previous to that nice. i decided to hang up my judging hat and coach a team this year gotcha. and now i'm like like fired to fuck up now <laughs> and it's you know i think it's neat for them because i you know i do the savory side mm -hmm. but then they also have a pastry we have a pastry chef that we're partnering with mm -hmm. and he has been on like four shows on the pastry side of things mm -hmm. so his name is uh uh chef dana and he was the first winner of america's uh next great baker mm, okay um, like original with but i think it was buddy velasso or whatever was okay was the, I think yeah. Dana, if I got it wrong, sorry, but, um, but, uh, yeah, so they have both of us and both of us not only come with like the culinary expertise, but also this, like, look, if you're in competition and this is fucked up, mm -hmm. like you need, you need to understand how to fix it mm -hmm. and get to a point that's acceptable on the plate. Sure. And it's going through this coaching process. I've realized that now the competition thing is something that I do. Nice. Nice. Um, nice even like the most recent competition that i did like i was kind of like coaching the other chefs like yes. because i wanted the tv to be good right yes like, i don't want you to, you to see that bad. i don't want you to go home but like i'm you can see that you can see yeah. where you knew where to almost be laid back you yeah. knew where you know you you played various roles there were certain points where you were just like where's robbie at? he's just like chilling in the back just like posted up yep. and then there was somewhere he was like locking you're like yeah he's He's the guy on the episode right now. It's it's all you. It's your time. Yeah, you can see that. So yeah. you play various roles, and you can see that though. But you can see coming up how that played a part in your life to get you to where you're at now. You can see that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, that. You know, like, so my my relationship with my dad was a challenging one, mm -hmm. which I think that for a lot of men, their relationship, if they have a, both if they have a good father and if they sure. have you know a, sure. a, someone who's being a dad is not their not their expertise. Sure. Uh, I think it's challenging in two different ways, but. Um, you know, for me coming up with that sort of that sort of like harshness, it taught me a lot of about how I didn't want to lead. Mm. So uh, I didn't really have uh, I didn't really have that mentor like brought me. 
it was always like extraction. Like, I see that you're good at this. I'm going to squeeze your head. Wow. Ask questions and be like, wow. cause you're not going to give it to me. Sure. So I'm going to come to you and I'm going to pull it out of you. So I was like the annoying, like, Oh, I saw you did that. Why the fuck did you do so that? So you learned to like, oh, well, yeah, you yeah. learned to put yourself yeah. out there. I got you. I respect how that. Many, how many people go into any situation, any expertise, any like, career field and all they say is well they didn't teach me they didn't move me up yeah and like i wasn't willing to use that as an excuse to not get better to not be better to not do better sure so it was i was fucking annoying i can relate to that that's what's up that's a good quality every time yeah good quality what was the point that you remember i don't care what you do play sports don't care what you do in your life you say something's gonna be your craft you're gonna have this moment where you're at this wall. You're doing everything you physically think you can do, but it seems like you've hit a wall. Either I'm gonna go around this wall, I'm gonna go through this wall, I'm gonna stop, or I'm gonna go. What is like a moment you remember for you being a chef in that journey? Yeah, so I think uh, I think my, my entire life, and I think this is true for most people, although they try to pick one moment that like is their pivotal moment because we're told one, uh, what's your you know moment. But I think it's been a series of those moments for me. So the first one was my father looking at me and telling me that it was a waste of my fucking life. Uh, and it was like, okay, I'm going to prove to you that it's not. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but it was like, I'm going to prove to you that it's not. Mm-hmm. Like, And then, but I had, like, my even after that, like, when my dad got over me going to culinary school and stuff like that, like, there was a voice of him when I started to achieve that I think partially was trying to shield me from potential upset, sure. but also slightly jealous and uncomfortable with the achievement. Wow, it's deep. I can see that now, didn't feel like that sure. in the moment. Sure. But, so throughout my career, he would kind of say things like, oh, you know, if you're gonna be the boss, you can't have friends. Mm. Like, you know, oh, you know, like this is hard and it's lonely and you're always gonna be alone, you know, or, you know, like financially it's super hard people don't make it and i'm like it's almost like the kind of the discouraging game sure like it's like building you up but also leaving some layers of discouragement of like right and it leaves you in a very gray spot i feel like because i can relate to that with my own circumstance with my father Um, it it leaves you in a gray area kind of a lot of the times you're like wow that was a compliment you gave me some informative information but at the same time there's a little bit of discouragement (laughs) a little bit of that you know like ah okay so um so Tony Robbins calls it a belief system mm. or people's BS. Yes. <laughs> and now you're living in somebody else's limiting BS. Very you know? true. Very and, true. Uh, so that was a huge moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my head down and I'm going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because my, my relationship with my dad has been like that like our entire lives. So like, I played pool yeah. on a very high level. Nice. His father played pool growing up. They had a bar. I, I was just in the bar. It was my favorite place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know my friends were drunk, so I just knew they were there. Mm-hmm. Like, they were so, consistent. They were consistent, yeah. <laughs> 4.30 every day, they were there. Um, drinking that yellow stuff. I don't know what that is. Um, but uh, so he would play pool and I would hear all these stories about how good he was. Mm. Well, then he would play me and he would, do, he would embarrass me. Like, mm. he would, you know, he would beat the shit out of me mm-hmm. on the pool table. Mm-hmm. And then I started to get good. And then I got to the point where I could beat him. And then I got to the point where he couldn't beat me. And he quit. Like gotcha. the moment that he knew that gotcha. he couldn't, like nine out of 10 games he was going to lose, mm-hmm. he quit playing. So we had like a, a series of that throughout our career. Um, 
there was another point. I think that um, the devil is the strongest mm. right before your revelation. Very true. Um, and I've had that moment a couple times in my life. So I've had moments where I've wanted to leave mm -hmm. the business and thought about going. And um, there was another point where I took a job. I was kind of stepping out of the kitchen. I was a little burnout. I'd reached some success, but didn't really. We get, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but I felt like there was a veil to like my level of dreaming. Like there was like a ceiling, mm -hmm. and like I couldn't see past a certain like level. Sure. And only lucky people and 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 rich people got past a certain point. Sure. You know, like and I believed that because I I had this voice in my ear saying that stuff. So I had like been executive chef. I had catered some high profile catering events. I did then. Um, Vice President Biden's daughter's wedding, cooked for the King and Queen of Sweden. Like, hadn't been on any TV yet, but I had done some high-profile stuff as a chef. Yeah. And I then was, like, kind of burnt out because I was like, okay, like, I've done these things. I've achieved these things in this business, but I'm not making the money that I want or think I should be making. And I'm not receiving the appreciation. And I'm just getting more, like, or the trust. Sure. To me, the trust is a big thing. Not like trusting me to like lock and unlock your doors and be around money, but like trusting me with your vision mm -hmm. and letting mm -hmm. me be, to quote Hamilton, in the room where it happens. Mm -hmm. um, like I always just wanted to be in the room where it happens. Sure, sure. And be part of the decision-making process. Even when we don't go with my decision, I want to feel like I had impact in the direction. Okay. And I, so I was with a company. I was like, look, like if we're not going to move forward or we're not going to, you know, we're not going to take me to like next level. I got to go. Mm -hmm. So I stepped out of the kitchen. I took a general manager role in a restaurant and I knew that okay. it was, a, I knew it was a fixer up. Okay. What I didn't know was how bad it was. Okay. So I went in with a, uh, Hey, this is a little fucked up. Mm -hmm. And then I got into, <laughs> this is really oh, fucked up. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it was like when my second pay period working there, my paycheck didn't clear. I was like, holy shit, but I'm not yeah. the type of person to like tiptoe into something. Mm -hmm. So like I dove in and people followed me. So like when I went from the one place to the other place, like I had like three cooks follow me, not because I was like, hey, come with me, but they just wanted to come with me. Mm -hmm. Here I am in this shitty situation mm -hmm. with, um, you know, people that I'm leading. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden I got to look at my guy yeah. and say, yo, man, can you wait till Tuesday to cash your paycheck? Cause you're going to wait for the deposits to come wow. out on the weekend. Wow. Um, and it was a nightmare. Wow. And I put on, this is like the start of like true waking. I put on like 60 pounds mm -hmm. in like seven months. That's it's stress. It's not even the food. I'm sure it's like, stress. Like that level of stress you're living under bad. Yeah. I went from my high profile chef job, like making good money and, taking my, my girlfriend to Philly for dinner and didn't really care what shit cost and uh, to like, babe, can I have 20 bucks for gas? Because yeah. I couldn't cash my own paychecks. And I was like, this is what I started applying. I was like, grasping a straw. So I started applying for TV. Sure. And I had, I always wanted to be on Top Chef. Like Top Chef is like the holy grail for me. Sure, sure. So still reaching for that one. Yeah, yeah. But, um, started applying for TV. I'm like anything mm -hmm. like desperation. That's, Man is desperate. Yeah. You know, if I can, if there. I can go on this show and win 10 grand or win 15 grand or whatever, mm -hmm. like that's enough to pay the rent for a couple of months and get, you know, get the bill collectors off my back and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And right. As I was like, I had 
reached out and accepted a job somewhere else mm-hmm. for about a third less than what I was supposed to be making, okay. even though I wasn't clearing every paycheck. Sure. Um, just so I would have a steady income and then I could right. figure out my life from there. Right. And this company came in and said, hey, we're going to, like a company with resources mm-hmm. and funding, hey, we're going to buy this restaurant. We want to buy it for two reasons. One, because the location, and two, because you're in it. And if you're not in it, we're not going to buy it. Mm-hmm. If you tell me you're going to make things right with my team and the vendors mm-hmm. and we're going to make a go of it, mm-hmm. we can make a go of it. So you started seeing light at the end of the tunnel from there? Yeah. So it was like, wow. but I, I, that was one of those moments where yeah. I was going somewhere else. I was like head in my hand, mm-hmm. like, like kicking, you, kicking the can down yeah. the road. Like I'm you said, the devil before here. the revelation. Yep. I'm going to yeah. go take this job so I have a steady income. Then I'm going to figure out something the fuck else to do. Sure, sure. Because obviously sure. this isn't working out for me. And they came in mm-hmm. and they were like, hey, we're going to do this thing. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to rebrand and reopen that restaurant to much success yeah. then i went on tv um i did guys grocery games and then they invited nice. me back for guys grocery games mm-hmm. then they invited me for beat bobby flay mm-hmm. um so then we opened a barbecue restaurant best new restaurant best barbecue restaurant yeah. delaware uh i won best chef three yes. three years in a row for the Delaware today. It's best, catching those W's, man. Catching all these yeah. W's. So, love it is. So, but it was like one of those things where like, so I had been general manager of that restaurant when they bought it mm-hmm. and they were like, why are you not in the kitchen? I was like, well, we have a chef and you know, like mm-hmm. that wasn't the role I was hired for and to be honest with you, I'm a little burned out and they were like, uh, and then they kind of like smiled at me and they were like, you still know how to do it? Mm. And I was like, you're like, you're telling me to go back to the kitchen? Like, and I hadn't even thought creatively about a menu or anything like sure, that. Sure, sure. And there goes, like, the veil of, like, you have to rip away, like, these layers of other people's beliefs that have been imposed on you. And I, like, from a creative la- level, at that point, I'd only been able to be creative through someone else's lens of what it should be. Absolutely. So I had worked for wow. the, the previous boss, like, um, learned a ton from him great mentor and since uh we've crossed paths again and, and really helped me out when i needed it and um but i only ever got to develop food or be creative through his lens mm-hmm. there were things that he liked and he didn't like mm-hmm. and you were not allowed to place anything on the menu that sure. was outside of that realm sure whether the guests like it everybody else like like he didn't like cucumbers mm-hmm. like so there wasn't a fucking thing on the menu with cucumbers <laughs> on it like whether it was yeah. tuna or whatever yeah, like, yeah. And, and just always through his lens yeah and all of a sudden i was given this what do you want this space to be Mm. and i felt like i and i've described it since as like an oops baby like Mm -hmm. it's not the baby that i ever planned on happening Mm -hmm. but i made the best out of being the father to that baby as it came through and what came through in that experience was me rediscovering like a creative formula for me me relearning how to lead a group but also learning how to train because I knew up to that point it was like all on me. So mm-hmm. I was either there mm-hmm. and it was great or I wasn't and it sucked. Mm-hmm. So I knew that I couldn't do that in this place. So I needed to to you know transcend that and become a become a leader that has multiple spaces. Um, so I would train the leaders to be in a place. But what happened in that wow. building the years after that was really, really special. And then the foot, you know, my sous chefs in that building went on to be the chef and pit boss of the barbecue restaurant, to be the chef and uh, 
manager of the breakfast restaurant that we opened together. So I opened two more restaurants with that restaurant group. Mm-hmm. And those guys that led that kitchen then got their own kitchens, which was a right. pledge that I made to them. To be able to see them grow, yeah. 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 Pledge I made to them when before I stepped out of the first one to go build the second one was, if you guys put in enough work, mm-hmm. you will get your own. Wow. Um, and they got them. That's good, man. Um, your word. Got to stay a man of your word. Yeah. And it's just, you know, that I think, like, if I had a superpower, which I don't believe I do, but I think it's the ability to, like, look in the mirror and truly self-reflect mm. on, you know, and I knew what my shortcomings were. I knew how to, to do them. And mm-hmm. I, I took a hard look at what I didn't like in my leaders mm-hmm. and tried to be the opposite of that. Sure. So, I mean, it's funny because that restaurant just the restaurant I'm talking about just closed, just closed its doors. Okay. Um, I've been involved in, uh, you know, years now, but mm. um, the outpouring of even the servers and the bus kids mm. and the hosts and stuff like that, of how special that opportunity was to them mm. and what, um, the fact that like that, like, college job for them could shape who they are as a person based on the example that we set just like everybody's like messaging me and like uh, like because they try to prop you up because everybody wants to talk shit you know so like everybody like customers and people like that are unhappy or reaching out going oh yeah it wasn't ever the same without you Mm. and you know they Mm. you know that's what they get for not holding on to you and stuff like that and i'm like just give me time to mourn yeah yeah yeah. all these beautiful messages from all these kids yeah I was just doing the best. And you changed life, and you changed the their. You, yeah, you changed their circumstances. You changed their lives. Yep. You probably gave them a much better perspective and outlook for their lives now. So yeah, you played a big role in their life, man. For and that, yeah. The one thing that that I think is a correlation between all those kids that were truly impacted in that time was they all really, mm. truly are really are willing to chip away mm. at their life until happiness emerges. Mm. Like they are just willing to just and that's hard a lot of people don't do that a lot of people do not do that and to take a look and analyze it and go hey i'm walking down this path i don't feel i'm quite happy so it's time for me to to pivot to pivot yeah these kids are just that's 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 immense courage to to pivot in life like that yeah absolutely absolutely so so robbie i see you getting really emotional with Mm -hmm. this right and i know you had a i guess i don't want to misspeak here like a a rough hatch with your dad of how he was always hard on you Mm -hmm. With doing everything that you accomplished, has there ever been a moment in time where your dad looked at you and was like, hey, I'm proud of you? Uh, no. no. He passed away and... Uh, Sorry for your loss. I, uh, I hoped, thank you. I hoped for that moment. Mm-hmm. And I just... No. Like, I would hear it from other people. Like other people would tell me, like, "Hey, when your dad talks about you, he's super proud of you." Sure. Um, it's I not the but it's not the same when it comes like, from their mouth. Yeah, but I always wanted to have that moment, and I just never, like, it was even like so. You know, he was really sick. He had lung cancer, and he was in. Um, you know, he, I don't know what's worse if you lose like a parent suddenly. Mm-hmm. Or knowing, uh, or knowing that it goes on for a long time, yeah. and knowing that there's so much unresolved questions, and you know whether you have the courage to ask them or not. And to be quite honest with you, I think that he would have answered those questions. I didn't have the courage to ask him. Sure. I remember sure. laying in in uh, 
the bed next to him for hours yeah. while he was sick and just like man like the one i i could say things to him but to ask him the questions yeah. um, i just think i waited too long because by the time i had the courage he just wasn't do you think he was also afraid of what his answer possibly could have been maybe like rejection or so being i was offered. afraid that I, I, I was afraid that that man that's a deep question my bad i'm sorry <laughs> um, i was afraid that the answer would continue to upset me mm. Mm. because he wasn't capable because he wasn't raised by an emotionally capable person. I got you. So he wasn't capable of that sort of encouragement. Sure. Sure. Um, he did the best with what their way of affection was usually like a tough love, hard love. Yeah. Being hard on you, being on your ass. Oh yeah. Yeah. I got you. 100%. I feel that. I saw this tattoo, which is a guest check. Okay. It says do something, even if it's wrong. And he would He's teaching me how to cook. I shit you not. He would sit on the edge of the line yeah. on a wood stool with a cigarette in his mouth, and he would ask, he would ask me what was on a ticket, and he would tell me what to do. He would not get up. He would not help me unless I was like mm. going down. Mm -hmm. And he like, and I would stay. I would have a moment like yeah. a free time. You do something even if it's wrong. Do something even. Do if something wrong. even if it's wrong. I like I mean, that. Do swim. And like it's that. like. Sure did. Yeah. He made you swim. And I'm telling you, I was a bad motherfucker at 14. Yeah. Oh, wasn't drowning. Yeah, you on the line at 14? Listen, yeah. I worked at McDonald's in high school and I was struggling. <laughs> so, Shoot. so if I had, if I had the right prep cook and my prep cook was was my mom at the time. Okay. Um, I could do a hundred covers by myself. I could do a hundred like people coming in like on the line. No helps. Now I had to be paced the right way, which sure. my dad was an expert at. Sure. And having gone through this business, there's so many things about like what my dad did mm -hmm. that I didn't realize he was really good at. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, mm -hmm. man, when I would work in a restaurant, it would be busy and there'd be somebody at the door didn't know what the fuck they were doing. I'm <laughs> so I so I started to do that. Yeah. I would I would work the kitchen line. I would be expediting the window, and I would see the I would see the glare on the front door. Wow. And I would know wow. the, that the flow was coming in, sure. but I would know that the the sixteen year old hostess didn't like she just supposed to see people. She doesn't know when she's supposed to go on a wait or what she's supposed to go. So I would go out there and I would control her. You're on a fifteen minute wait, mm. and like start to pace it out myself from the kitchen. And I just I like I'm like looking at the guys, yeah, and I'm, like yeah. seeing the flow come in. Yeah, I'm yeah. counting covers and I knew how many we could handle in a fifty every fifteen minute period. And I'm yeah. counting and I'm just. So I started controlling it because yeah. I would have managers that had managers from like chain restaurants and like, yeah, yeah. They, don't, they don't give a shit. Seat, 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 seat. Sure, sure. They don't care if you can handle it. They don't care if the servers can handle it. They don't How long would it be to sit, 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 sit. sit. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nope. And the managers learned. Mm. Like, you so, they followed, so they ended up following your lead and following yep. your way. So again, that leader, that leader mentality came out. Yeah, and it really just came from a place of protecting my cooks. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Which ironically like i never put two and two together but my dad was super hard on the cooks mm. and where our friction always was mm. was he was being a prick to the cooks mm. and i would stand between him and the cooks mm. even at like 14 years old with guys that were like 20 something sure like i would stand between him and the cooks like like and i would defend them but now, you see, they but, but now you see why though yep. you see why it's hard to be or to be a little more stern on the cooks Yep. Like it's a tougher responsibility, you know? Oh, yeah. Okay. 100%. Okay. And, um, and I, I can be hard. Mm -hmm. Any of the guys that worked with me in that in that company with those three restaurants, I can tell you, like, yeah. and when we opened a breakfast restaurant, it was a different 
Bryce Cook is a different kind of person. And there were some personalities there. Like, I was always used to, yes, chef loyalty. And I never asked for that. I just got it based on the caliber of cooks that came through um, that first restaurant and even the second restaurant. But when we went to open the breakfast spot, there was... We were taking people from everywhere, from from Denny's, from like whatever. Oh, they had like, no etiquette. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't know. And I'm like, the, the Waffle House. <laughs> and like, I'm in a space for the first time ever where I have to get the respect to some of these people, and some of these people whoop my fucking ass. So like, I'm like looking, I'm like looking at. Took you out to comfort zone. I'm in, in, yeah. in the back. That's like a linebacker. With a face tattoo. The face tattoo, and I'm like, <laughs> and he and he's going, "What you fucking say to me?" And I'm like, "I fucking told you to put the food up." You want me to come back there and get it myself? I'll fucking come get it. Respect. And like, Respect. And like, it took like one week of that where they mm-hmm. realized they couldn't push up. You got to demand it. You got to demand it. Yeah. And then they would they would start to jaw each other. So mm-hmm. you got to go online and get between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I had never dealt with that before. But I did learn like kind of like pack dynamics mm-hmm. that like the big dog is going to is going to bark at you more. Sure. And fight your neck a little bit. Sure. Sure. And, you know, I would come back there and I'd be like, I don't give a fuck who you are or who you are because I'm yeah. better than both of you. Facts. So if you can't figure out how to fucking get along, you shut the fuck up and do it. Facts. And, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, a, that tough love came out. Tough love. But I had the loyalty of those guys. And when I stepped out of that building, they couldn't manage them anymore. Mm. Like, mm. and there was one, there was one girl who was probably one of the most gifted line cooks I've ever worked with. Mm. And she worked the center station, which was the hard. Because mm. in this... In this particular environment, you had like pancakes, omelets, French toast, all the egg dishes coming from one side mm-hmm. and all of the rest of the menu coming from the other side. And it converged in the middle and she had to assemble the plates and put them up. Wow. And she was hard as nail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And man, like when I when I was standing across from her, nothing. Just putting, just hammering it out, putting food up. Jeez. And then when, when I was gone, they were like, she's unmanageable. And I'm like... No, she just doesn't respect you. Wow. So wow. she's getting it from, like, you, I was like, go stand in that middle station. Sure. Go feel that. Sure. That shit don't feel good. Right. It's a lot of pressure. You got you got a cutting board and you got a flat top and all the plates for the whole place are coming past you. Mm. Wow. Straight out of the volume. We would do $16,000 between the hours of 8 and 11 in the morning. In mm. breakfast. In, yeah. That's a lot of omelets. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of hotcakes. It's a lot. That's so, respect, man. Um, and it was, so it was my first, uh, my first opportunity or uh, attempt, really. Mm-hmm. It was a chain breakfast restaurant, a high-end chain breakfast restaurant mm-hmm. um, that is popular in Canada and it's coming to the States. Okay. But I hadn't. What's the name of it? Uh, oh, my, yeah. <laughs> my bad. I got curious. <laughs> We're going to disguise the, yeah. disguise the names of the innocent. Yeah, it's all good. Um, but uh, so it it's making its way into the states, and it's a nice. great concept. But it was nice. my first time opening a franchise, which really is like opening a kit in a box Fire. and and building your restaurant based on that kit. Mm. Um, but they're young in the in the franchise area, so like the kit was maybe missing some some glue and some pieces. Was like you know the process was really humbling for me because mm-hmm. I'm like, regardless of how I feel about this create creatively, mm-hmm. I have to teach this system and develop this way of thinking for these guys that's not my own, mm-hmm. and also it's not complete. <laughs> so I all but I also have to like defer to other people sure. and um, they so another pivotal moment. 
we were opening that restaurant and doing such volume, like volume at breakfast I had never seen. Mm. And we were failing every day, like every day. So although you we, was making all that money, you still was failing? Yeah, we were failing. We were failing to me from like, I'm a, I'm a zero complaints guy. Like you cut like my restaurant, we could go months without complaints. Okay. Like um, that's that's the space that I live in. Mm-hmm. Not that it's perfection, but you you perform above a threshold mm-hmm. all the time. And we were getting complaints about the weights and people getting up and walking because they were sitting for an hour. Like we would, and we were making it further and further into the day every day mm-hmm. before we had like that moment. Mm-hmm. But like we would be like, okay, we made it all the way through breakfast, and now it's like one thirty, and all of a sudden. Boom, blanket sat and sure. the whole dining room's full and now we're we're shit again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just I remember I had a kid in a box. I was doing it their way. I was trying to do it their way. I'm rejecting it because like you got these corporate trainers who have no mm-hmm. like they have loyalty to the brand, but they don't have your people. Yes. In, yeah. They're not invested really into that. They're like, you take care of that part, I take care of that. Yeah. You know, and it was also bigger the biggest space that they had ever built with the most seats that they had ever built mm-hmm. and the busiest out the gate and like i'm like asking the trainers to stand on the station and just work it mm-hmm. to show my guys mm-hmm. and they were afraid of it they were afraid of the volume that they wouldn't be successful so wow. they wouldn't do it wow i'm like just show them how it's supposed to be done right like so they can see you do it mm-hmm. and then once they see you do it that they just weren't going to do it <laughs> they're like so, no, we're good bro so I'm like, we're just failing every day. I'm like, this is not how I do it. And I remember uh, I just had a, I'm tired of getting beat. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of getting beat. Mm-hmm. And I, I will say that now, like that's a theme in my brain now. It's like a catalyst to where like if something, I keep hitting the same brick wall. Sure. I just have tired of getting beat. Exactly. And, and you need to change direction to change. I do it this way. I need to do it a way that's going to make it work. So I remember I was there like five in the morning. We mm-hmm. opened at eight and I'm cracking eggs into little cups and I'm pre-setting some omelets and I'm like firing off French toast because you can kind of like half cook French toast and then finish it in the oven. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, kind of, they call it sandbagging, but I'm like, I'm getting ready. Mm-hmm. We are going Trying to, to get make, in. We're going to make it through this day with all of our ticket times under a half hour. Mm-hmm. No one's going to complain and it's going to be our first day. And the owner walked in and uh, it's super inspirational guy and everything. I mean, the, the company altogether has like 15 16 restaurants now um but super inspiration he walks in he's chef what's going on man mm. he's like bobby i'm tired of getting beat <laughs> and he just looked at me and he smiled and he goes i'm tired of it too and i said one more thing i know that you own this business and i know that you're thinking you're helping but I need you to not go anywhere near that front of that building and not stand next to the hosts. They take their cues from me. And yeah. we will make it through this service. Yeah. And he's like, I'm telling, he's like, I'm, I'm up there. He's like, I'm, I'm trying to keep them from overseas. But he doesn't realize he's hurting. He's hurting. He's like, they're telling you what they think you want to hear. And what I need them to do is just do the job the way that I, I asked them to do. Wow. And he stepped away. Stepped away, sat in the dining room, had had breakfast. Respectfully, yeah. We made it through the first shift ever without comping a dollar That's in that up. space. And he was like, he just walked back to me after after it was over, <laughs> smiled, and he just said, heard chef. Yeah, wow. And that was it. Wow. Um, 
and then they'd moved along with that. Now we we as the cooks got better, we dialed back on some of the things that I was like sandbagging. So now sure. they don't do all that. Sure, but, sure. Um, but again, this is another thing: the pivot, but also stepping, like you said, not natural to step in your leadership role. But when you do, you see what happens. Every time yeah. you kind of know when to okay, let me step out, take this leadership position. But it's you know, we chef like chef boy, man, you got it. But it's I'm defending the cooks. That's exactly. I'm defending the cooks exactly. are just. They think that they're awful at this. They're not awful at this. The system's broken. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, and you all have to work together. Mm. But also, if my cooks ever start with the oh the servers they have it so oh you go you go stand out there and, and talk to that grandmother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You go stand out there, and I still have five other tables that you yeah, have to attend to. And like, you can stand in front of them. I was yeah. like, I was like, so here we go. I'm gonna burn this steak mm. and send it out to that table. You go stand in front of them, mm. and you apologize for what I did, mm. and take all the harsh criticism, and, and take all the harsh words that they might say to you. Good service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And cooks, so yeah. they just understood. Every, I, I every position that. is valuable. Yeah, every position you is valuable. Respect everybody that you're in the team with. You can It's in restaurants. It's very much tribal. Like mm. it's it's mm. like the back and the front mm. and it's like that in 90 percent of places mm. because they don't relate with the mm -hmm. the the follies of each other's positions sure uh, and i just do not fucking tolerate it yeah. like i like it's all hard because i've done that i've served i've bartended i've mm. hosted up mm. and it's it's not easy to stand in front of somebody mm. who is upset about not receiving the value they expected to receive Yes. Do you think because your father was really hard on the cooks, that's sort of why you haven't been like, I don't want to say hard, but you don't give them as much heat and you understand that you need to have a, a better relationship with them. So, yes, um, I would I would change that a little bit and say I what I do is make them understand why. OK, mm -hmm. so if the heat comes, mm -hmm. there's a why behind it, mm -hmm. which all of my culinary leaders were not really great at. You would say, hey, why do we do that? Because that's the way we do it. Yeah. Combination. Why do I have to do do as I say, not as I do? Sure. Like, <laughs> you know, why, you know, I'm, <laughs> I've, like my father used to say all the time, I've forgotten more about food than you'll ever know. Mm. Um, like, and I've had mentors my entire life that have kind of been that way so it's always been important for me to understand why mm -hmm. you know because i said so it doesn't work real well it doesn't so and i don't think it works real well with anybody mm -hmm. but i think that also it is a discovery of someone truly passionate can articulate why that's exactly what it is yeah. and someone who accidentally has fallen into something that they're kind of good at and just doesn't see a way out, mm. doesn't really understand the why, just knows that that's what they were taught. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that is the, a true difference between people that live life and people exist life, is like so you have to be able to, to take all of that information and you have to be able to apply it. You can only apply it if you understand why. Absolutely. So like, even when we're like roasting something or um, braising something in the kitchen, I'm teaching a recipe for the first time. I'm very explanatory mm -hmm. because I want them to understand this is why you sear it beforehand. This is why you put this amount of liquid. This is why we season it now. Mm -hmm. This is why we do it so that not only is this product the best it can be, mm -hmm. 
But the next time I give you something and I don't have time to show you every single thing, you will understand how to do it because you understand the why. Yep. It's context, power and context. Yeah. Do you think uh, an up and coming chef that says eventually he wants to open his own business, he wants to, you know, be, you know, owner of his business, do you think that it would be a smart idea for them, taken from your experience, to learn what everyone's job is within? that actual restaurant meaning like you you said you did the host you did the bartender it was a whole bunch of things in the journey before you got to that point this is why when you got in the kitchen amongst guys and females that were you know in their own world they monsters but you were able to blend them together because of your experience because ain't no one gonna respect you if you ain't did their job you don't understand them. you did on the other hand yeah so i would say it, it depends on what that I want to own, I want to do. Like, it depends on what that goal is. Uh, if your goal is to own your own restaurant, then absolutely. You need to know it all. Sure. You need to know how to do it all. The and and you need to be above average at it all. Mm -hmm. um, as far as the direct-to-consumer processes are. Mm -hmm. um, now, all the business stuff, you kind of learn that. you There's stuff that you like, stuff that you don't like. Some people like marketing. Some people like numbers, mm -hmm. you know. So, like, you kind of pick up some of those things, and there's enough people in the world that specialize in the other things that you can fill the gaps that you're not good at. Mm -hmm. But from a standpoint, like, if you want to be successful, you want to hold a high level of standard. I know everything. You have, to, you have to be more than proficient in everything. Mm -hmm. uh, unless you don't think it's important, then I would question how successful you're going to be. Mm -hmm. Now, the caveat to that is someone who comes into the business and they cook and they work in a restaurant and their job in that restaurant is the pasta station and they find out that they really have a love for pasta mm -hmm. and what they want to do is open a pasta stall in like a food like a food like a high-end food court because they're all coming back mm -hmm. where they want to have like a food truck with pasta i would say then you need to be well-rounded you need to learn how to program a pos system mm -hmm. you need to learn basic customer service skills but there is something to be said for specializing in that one thing absolutely but you have to be humble enough to realize that you don't have the depth of knowledge around it all and bring in people that do have those skill right. sets. Right, right. fire. that's, I, I think you should be well-rounded because I think it helps mm. because it allows you to adapt in undesirable environments. Which will happen. But there, I mean, there's a kid near us that does pizza and he does, uh, he started his pop-ups. Like his parents had a breakfast spot and it closed. So he started making pizza like after they closed mm. and he's doing little pop-ups and he's selling, you know, I got 15 pies to sell, throwing it on Instagram and stuff like that. And he got really so, good at it. And he used their business, like their place previously? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so he used so, that very building. Yep. Okay. So okay. it's, so it's, so it's called a ghost kitchen. And basically like, that's something that happened before the pandemic in a cool way okay and it happened during covid in a very much bastardized <laughs> let's find a way so it was a way for a lot of places to just have more eyeballs on sure. the fact that Front they game. were selling food right, right, right so like i know an italian restaurant near us that had not only were they selling their product on doordash grubhub uber eats and all that stuff but they also had like a pizza brand and a pasta brand and a taco brand because the guys in the kitchen were were uh latino and like gotcha. they, and they popped up these ghost kitchen concepts mm. well i'm like you're not doing any of that that's crazy i never heard of that term a ghost kitchen Yo, never heard of that. so so like i said it started beforehand really cool because 
to to sell food to the public, you generally need to have a unless it's baked goods. You unless need, it, I'm sorry, unless, unless it's, it's baked goods. Okay. You need to have a certified, licensed kitchen. Okay. To work out of. So, but the problem with that is the overhead. Not everybody can pay to go have a kitchen. Now, the beautiful part is, you know, in like Diner A, you know, they're open from 6 a.m. until 2 p.m. And then they close. They don't have any desire to come in and open late, but they're still paying the utilities and everything else for the time that they're closed. So if someone wants to come in and use that kitchen and sell food via DoorDash at night wow. under their own label wow. and pay them monthly, you know, hey, like I'm not. What's what's your rent for the space? Five grand a month. Well, I'm only in here ten percent of the time, so I'm gonna take and give you ten percent of that five grand. I'm gonna give you five hundred a month mm -hmm. to use your space. And I'm gonna build my brand. Wow. Wow. And they get their rent subsidized or their lease subsidized or mortgage mm -hmm. by having someone in there, mm -hmm. and then that person gets a jumping off point. Wow. So wow. so my previous like jerk chicken slash barbecue concept started that way during the pandemic. Mm. So we we had a space and a kitchen that we used for a meal prep company, but it wasn't utilized any other, like we did meal prep, we were basically done by 3 p.m. Mm. So it wasn't utilized. And I had a background in barbecue and a love for jerk chicken. So we went on this whole jerk chicken journey wow. um, to really develop the most like authentic recipe. And like I was, at first I was ordering in pimento wood, like, cause you can't get it in the US. And that's really what they cook jerk chicken on in Jamaica and mm. like charcoal and pimento wood. So then we're like, okay, well, pimento wood is, is the allspice bush. So then we're taking allspice berries and throwing them on the fire while we're cooking them to kind of mimic that flavor. Sure. And we built it really good, but we or DoorDash, Uber Eats, Grubhub. We had our own website, uh, which they could order off of. And we just opened the front door to our space, put a put a, one of them like flying chickens, like a <laughs> car, yeah. car. Yep. Yeah. So like the, the, flying man or whatever, but yeah. ours was a chicken. Yeah. And we had the smoker out front so people could smell it when they drove by. Oh, that's right. Jeez. And people would drive by, smell the smoke. Yeah. Stop, do a U-turn, come back, and be like, what are you guys doing in here? And yeah. then we started selling it. Man, we did really, that's really, dope. really that's good. Dope. That's but it started as a ghost kitchen, and then we had ended up basically taking the front foyer of that space, which used to be a restaurant, mm -hmm. and kind of like made it into a little incubator for what that concept would look like in a building on its own Fire. Um, and did really, really well. Now, mm -hmm. since he and I, he and I parted ways and he opened a second location mm -hmm. and now has repurposed that original space. But that's basically the concept of a ghost kitchen is you're nice. incubating nice. until the point where it can live on its own. Wow. Or some super savvy, cheap operators just like do the ghost kitchen thing forever. And like in Philly, that's become a big thing. So they have a, a section in Philly, um, like commercial kitchen, they call it cloud kitchens. And basically it is like 10 kitchen lines right next to each other. And it's built for these ghost kitchen concepts. And my understanding, I, I need to go for a visit because they keep asking me to come up there and take a look at it. And I got a couple concepts in my brain here, guys. Mm -hmm. But um, you basically drive through the center and the kitchens are on either side. And they come out like hand the food to like the DoorDash drivers and, and wow. So wow, um, yeah. So it's it, it's a thing. And like Bro, I people said, are innovative. Kind of, people will find ways. Yeah, yeah. people are innovative. People will find ways. COVID made you had to find certain things. Yeah, you, yeah. It, it broke it broke a whole no kinks out of people. Yeah, yep. Thri thrive or die. Yeah, yeah, for real. Cut your lights off. You gotta find light, right? And it's like 
So during the pandemic, I was still working for that company with three restaurants. I had started my meal prep company in my free time, and then we had the jerk chicken thing. Mm. But like in the restaurants, I was basically following the so at the food di- distributors would send out a deal sheet every week. And the deal sheet was basically like, look, we had all these POs before we started closing things down and the volume shrunk. We got to get rid of this stuff. So we're selling all this food pennies on the dollar. Mm-hmm. And um, we like, so every week mm-hmm. I'm like watching Facebook, like, cause people would go on Facebook and be like, oh, I really wish that I, uh, I really wish that we could find family dinners. for." The right. Family. I wish it was a spot that we still spot. Like, oh man, really want some seafood or whatever. Sure. So I'm looking at the deal sheets going, okay, what seafood we got on the deal sheets? Like, Facts. and I'm changing the menus and the specials every single week or whatever. I remember, wow. I remember there being cases and cases and cases of rainbow gay pride cakes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were literally $5 for a case. Mm. So the portion cost on these cakes, because they couldn't get rid of them. Yeah. So the portion cost on each slice of cake was like, I don't know, 20 cents. Maybe. So, no, so no. I'm putting it on the menu. I'm calling it Rainbow Bright Cake <laughs> and selling the shit out of it. You know? Yeah, I took people lemons and selling the shit out of yeah, it. Man. And I'm like, but people were like, oh, you know, I really want like like cake and some baked goods, sure. like cakes and pies or whatever. Sure. I really want seafood. I really want Cajun food. Mm-hmm. I just was like adapting on the fly. Mm-hmm. Man, by the time we were like open back up, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. I just was like wow. trying to keep everything together. We're doing planners to go. We're doing these big brunch boxes at the brunch place and just awesome. shifting awesome. every couple every couple of weeks. But it was like, you know, it was at one point the operators knew that I had like other businesses. Uh, and the other businesses were thriving mm-hmm. in that environment, like the meal prep and the jerk chicken thriving. Nice, nice. Um, and could support me on their own. Awesome. And uh, they were like, hey, do you want to like leave and go on to do those things? I was like, honestly, like, I think you need me right now. I was like, <laughs> I was like and I think that if I go walk away, yeah. like a bunch of people are going to lose their jobs. Because you remember from last time, from that last experience when you end up leaving and yeah. Yeah. So similar experience, similar experience. People are going to lose their jobs, and I was like, wow. as much as I could step away, yeah. I think that, like, I think you need me to be here. And I was glad that I was because all of how much longer were you there job. for? So all the way through the pandemic, and then probably another year. Okay. Okay. Something else got annoying. Everything opened up. It's probably another year after that. Okay. And I just was kind of, I was tired. I was kind of burnt, and the other businesses. You was working like that. I'm sure you was burnt out. Yeah, I'm That's sure. A good burnt. I'm sure. Yeah. So, Robbie, you said you're big into meal prepping right now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, are you? Say that I am, but I, I, I'm conscious, conscious eating and some meal prep. Okay. Efficient when I do meal prep and mm-hmm. how I how I go about it, and I use some companies okay. that uh, that help with portions of that. So, okay, so are, yes. do you meal prep for other people? Yes. So is it like athletes? So I meal prep for my private chef clients. So they're, pri- okay. they're home, home clients. All right. No athletes. So I used to. I used to, uh, and I still would. It just kind of like that business kind of comes and goes depending on what the athletes' goals. Okay, are. so it's more wavy. Yeah. Okay. Um, but I'm certainly like if you have a question, I'm certainly like uh, an expert in that. I did sure. it for a while. Now you have a catering business, right? Um, in just events. Correct. So, and I heard you name a few celebrities. So feel free if you can or if you can't. Um, how like how many celebrities or like can you name some celebrities that you are like that you've worked with or worked for or you know like people that you've came across like oh wow that's they're going to be here or wow, they're in the room or wow, they're sitting over there in the corner. So like, 
like being a Delaware, Maryland guy to like now, you know, brushing shoulders with pretty, pretty well-known people that we see and hear about on TV and, you know, just thriving in that, in that realm. Yes. I mean, you know, as far as like meeting them, I've, I've met, you know, a decent amount as far as like being clients of mine, nice. not so much, uh, from a client standpoint in Delaware, I get a lot of like low, what, you know, local athletes, local political figures. Gotcha. So okay. Okay. Um, but you know, we used to do meal prep for, uh, Bilal Nichols. Okay. Plays for, I think he plays for uh, Las Vegas now. Okay. Uh, but he used to be on the Giants. Okay. He's a local guy. Um, I just did a wine event with Elena Deladon. Just a little tasting and stuff like that. Yeah, just yeah. putting out our own wines and having all the, the proceeds from that wine donated to uh, two funds. But one of them basically is uh, propping up female entrepreneurs in the state of Delaware. Nice. Uh, giving them either education or funds to to launch or grow or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, on the shows, I've met a bunch. Mm-hmm. Met Lance Bass from NSYNC. Okay. He was my, <laughs> one of my judges on uh, yeah, Bobby Flay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of cool as shit. Yeah. A lot of celebrity chefs. Do you ever, like, fangirl when you first met? You're like, oh, wow, my first celebrity at my restaurant or... Did you ever get nervous? Because, you know, you're in the kitchen. You're the chef. Like, did you ever get nervous? Or, like, guys, tighten up. We got somebody coming today. Like, tighten up. <laughs> yeah, Tighten up because you want them to come back. Right? Sure, you know, sure, you want, sure. You want to have the cred of them being there. Sure. At the end of the day, they're just humans. Um, you know, and I would I would say this, you know, it was when I worked uh, in Wilmington, it was a big deal back when he was vice president for Biden to come in. Mm-hmm. Uh, although he ordered the... Yeah, say He's a Delaware about. dude, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Say what you want about the politics. That's, that's yeah, the first thing. <laughs> off this, maybe. Yeah. But um, uh, it was a big deal when he came in. Sure. He, he, angel hair pasta with shrimp. Like, he, like the simplest shit ever. Sure. Um, you got the best angel hair pasta ever, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's funny. Once you do TV and you see them kind of behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they're regular like, people. They're regular people. Sure. And, and guy, so... The first show I ever did was Guy's Grocery Games, mm-hmm. and I remember meeting him, and he was so approachable mm-hmm. that it removed the veil of like, mm-hmm. okay, this is a big deal, mm-hmm. like immediately, mm-hmm. and then it was like, okay, well, like they're just like normal dudes, sure. And he's like, he's like over there while they're judging, and he's got his phone out over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you, got you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, just but I'll tell you, my first episode. I had a lot of respect and a lot of love for Guy because first episode, one of the guys that was competing had some shit to say about the rules, mm-hmm. like kind of like complained about him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And man, I watched Guy. Guy, guy, was on, guy was on his phone, he had a flip phone. I remember hearing it smack shut. I was like, ooh, shit, he fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Guy goes, and Guy's whole thing is gratitude for you. And like, he goes, did I just hear you? complain about the rules that your other competitors thrived in and you did not you beat out tens of thousands of people to be here and he gets he got his like lapel mic and he's like this guy seriously beat out tens of thousands of people to be here he's like you ungrateful fuck wow he was like I can't believe wow. that you have the audacity to come here and complain about the rules. Wow. Everyone else completed with the same rules. Sure. He's like, you're the guy that goes out and plays football and bitches about the field. It's like <laughs> keeps it real though. He's like, if you want to go home, we can send you home. Wow. But if you want to compete, right, 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 you can shut up and compete. Sure. Yeah, he's privileged to be there. It should be. Yeah. 
Yep. And uh, I was like, yeah, for real. I like this guy. <laughs> no pun intended. That, that, that competitor got saved in that round because somebody like mm-hmm. tanked real bad. Sure. Uh, and ended up doing well. But I was like, okay, now I got respect for guy. But then you see the human side of guy, which sure. is something that he doesn't get a lot of credit for because he's such a character and such a personality. Yeah. But like guy is a huge Make a Wish Foundation contributor. Mm-hmm. And like at one point he's like out. Um, we go to the trailer and he's like out laying on his belly playing like matchbox cars with a kid in the parking lot what and i was like oh is that guy's kid and they were like no it's a -A make-a-wish kid that wanted to meet him so he's like in between takes he's like hanging out and the kid's sitting in his chair and stuff like that you never hear he doesn't take credit for any of that Mm. but during the during the pandemic there is not a person that raised more money for restaurants and restaurant workers than him wow respect the guy yeah that's a lot of respect yeah much respect and he doesn't stand up in front of it he stands up in front of it as a personality to wrap it up mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. also all the people that have jobs like people knock him because of his restaurants and his over the top everything or whatever mm-hmm. number one the guy can really cook mm-hmm. because i can tell the way he speaks about food mm-hmm. it's very intelligent mm-hmm. but they cut all that out so and that's one of the things about the critiques on these shows that i will say they cut all that shit out mm-hmm. like this super technical like chefy stuff yeah they cut it out because it goes over people's heads as viewers yeah so you never get to see him articulate food sure in that intelligent proper way sure because that goes over somebody's head wow. i remember getting critique about the crepes i made in the first round on that show from i don't, I don't even know what her name was but I, I didn't have a whole lot of respect for her when i went on there because i'd seen her critique mm-hmm. and she started like going into the intricacies of like the, the cellular structure and the components and the need for it to rest and whatever and I was like okay yeah I, I'm humbled now I'm gonna listen to everything because obviously my perception of of who they are sure. is just based off of what is meant to be my perception sure 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 um, and guy's great in that way guy does um he he basically does hot dog carts and pretzel carts yeah and they donate them to people that are re-entering society from incarceration so that they can prop themselves up and start their own business dope uh it's a whole program that he's a part of that does that shout out to uh, him shout out to him yeah and uh that other guy on that show where you go on and meet him he don't do all that shit so <laughs> gotcha. he doesn't do charity work but yeah. they're just two different different people and sure. different experiences with sure. both of them but uh, sure. the utmost of respect for yeah i never knew that about guy mm-hmm. i did not know no. he said uh pretzel stands and hot dog stands yeah oh I don't know if it's still active now, but I, I knew like when I was out there that was a, that was a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now speaking of um information going over your head in that in that particular show, what I liked about um Pressure Cooker, um when I was watching it was the intellectual side. Hearing you guys all delegate and speak in your own it was almost like your own culture language. It was only in your own language. You guys were like having your own language. I'm like Yo, what does that mean? I'm Googling, what does that mean? Okay, what does this mean? It was very, very interesting that you was able to get the intellectual side of it rather than just like, oh, they're just cooking. No, there's so much detail and pressure, pun intended, in it, you know? But it was very interesting. I love the education. The the amount of knowledge that I've learned from watching that alone was was dope. Yeah, it's uh, really a special show. I hope that they end up renewing it. I think that Netflix is slow to renew things. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, I thought Drink Masters was an awesome show, Mm -hmm. and they just (laughs) renewed Drink Masters, Mm -hmm. which aired, like, Mm -hmm. a year before Mm -hmm. uh, Pressure Cooker. So I I have hope that we'll see a second season of Pressure Cooker. Hope they invite us back to Netflix. That would be dope. (laughs) You don't need the the food critics next time. You just need all the chefs to come back. Facts. Facts. That would be dope. 
but uh, I was I, I was saying it the whole time because mm-hmm. I was going through a literal nightmare, like yeah. with what was going on outside of. But mm-hmm. the cast and crew really mm-hmm. made it excellent, livable, excellent cast. Yeah, they, they all distinct personalities. Uh, it was it was cool. It was really cool to watch. I was like, yo, this is interesting, yo. This is so cool to watch. There's probably just like two that I don't talk to at all. Sure, sure. Uh, everybody, I mean, Ed and I are super tight. Uh, yeah, yo, he's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast, yo. I was like, this dude is serious, yo, serious. So Ed is incredibly talented. He put out a hip hop album. I went to his uh, hip hop launch party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to follow him if you know the music. I will. I will. It's definitely got like, um, even though it, like he's from New York, it's got like to me like '90s California vibes. Sure, sure. Well, he's an uh, older man, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kind of yeah. grew up in the era. Okay, so he can bring he's, that in. He's the oldest guy on the show, but uh, gotcha. as uh, I've been educated, black don't crack. So he looks younger than me. Unless you use it, they said. <laughs> black don't crack unless you use it, folks. <laughs> uh, so he's uh, so we went we went and visited uh, Atlanta when he had his hip hop uh, nice. album launch party, and we vacationed a couple times. Went to his wedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gina, who everybody hates on the show, yeah, I hate Gina's like yeah. the coolest yeah. person yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah, like Gina's come to Delaware and and like coached. So she came. Her and Ed both came mm. last year for that Pro Star competition. And they judge the kids. Nice. Um, nice. So they came and did, you know, coached and spoke and and judge the kids, and it was, yeah. it was super awesome. She's open to restaurants, so I won't see her this year for that. But sure, sure. Um, but she's a lot of fun. You know, I mean, it's pretty obvious, probably the people that I don't talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I talk to all the people that voted for me right, right, right. more than the people that don't. Sure. Mike is just focused, head down, doing his own Mike, thing. Yeah, so Mike too. Yeah. Mike probably talks to Ed the most out of everybody, but like every once in a while, I'll call Mike or Mike will call me or something. Gotcha. Uh, it's funny because Mike hadn't watched any reality TV, had never watched uh, like any <laughs> yeah, he of goes on one. Yeah, yeah. That's he great. didn't know anything about it. So it was the day to day. Mike was the funniest guy on the show, and you don't see that. Like, no, you, you don't, don't see really that, that much. Across. Sure. Mike was like. He, we'd have downtime. He's writing like poems to like the camera guys. Like, hey, I liked your shoes. Would you like to come to my restaurant and eat my food? Like, he's like, mm-hmm. like they'll captivate that. They should have had that on there. So, man, he That's was cool. so funny. That's cool. And like, he, he very much didn't understand that, like, you know, when you're on a show and they have a set, you don't talk about production. Like while you're on camera, mm-hmm. whatever, you don't talk about production. You talk about what goes on behind the camera or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or camera guys. Or people, you don't talk about it. Yeah. And Mike didn't understand that. So got you. They got would be you. like, they had to do a lot of cuts then. <laughs> to cut so that out. They would like ask him a question or or say something like, "Hey, you know, why don't you go? To, why don't you go talk? To, why don't you go talk to Robbie about what just happened? Mm-hmm. You know, he seems pretty upset." Mm-hmm. And Mike would go, "Hey, Robbie." Uh, they told me to come talk to you. They would they would make good bloopers though. I feel like they would make good bloopers. That's but that's what makes him genuine too. Yeah, some of the songs oh, are so, so good. So, oh man, the whole memories, man. Like, like yeah, the challenges were very interesting. Very interesting. The way they set those challenges up, it was like I've heard other people say it was almost a mix between a good cooking show and slightly Big Brother. Yeah, so, it was so very, the, very interesting. The very how they set that up. This was a mix between Top Chef and Big Brother. Got you. I can see so, that. Like yeah. I only ever wanted to be on Top Chef. That was the first show I ever applied for. Sure, sure. Uh, so like when they said that, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
then he said Big Brother, and you're like, wait, what? I was like, so I, I never watched Big Brother, so my wife is like a super fan. Yeah. So then I went back and I, I literally researched top 10 best Big Brother competitors, and I went back and watched their seasons. Now, the GOAT, is, in my opinion, is a guy named Dan Giesling. He was on like the first or second season. Okay. And he's been on since and won. And this guy can talk himself out of out of being on the out of hell. block. Out <laughs> nobody's business and they don't even think that he's like lying or being deceitful he's actually on a show now on uh peacock called the traitor oh that's so, a great show so he's back you know, on that now. yeah i gotta watch that oh, and i'm like and he's just like the best at getting okay. out stuff so i was like, i was researched i was prepared i was prepared to play the game but i never had to mm. um and there's like i mean man the internet was tough on me because mm. like they were like you shouldn't uh you, you shouldn't have beat Mike because they also like any edit, they edited the finale to look like I just made mm-hmm. like three terrible things. Okay. Yeah. I, when, I know what you're in all reality, if they'd been present for all of the feedback, they, sure. like people would understand sure. that it was much closer than that. And there yes. were mistakes on his too. Yes. But I think that it was edited in a way to make it look like I was going to lose. And then I'm sure. Like, surprise. Sure. Like, sure. Um, wow. But uh, it was, and there were definitely two people that came to that mm. that final table, mm. and their only goal was for me to lose. Gotcha. Didn't care what I made. Sure. I could have made their favorite dishes by their favorite people, mm. absolutely perfect, mm. and they were going to be like, "Well, I've seen this before." Like you yeah. know, so it's like they were there were two people. They came to the table, sure. and the shitty part is like that that kitchen is like a a, a box like this. Mm-hmm. So the the table is like up here. Yes. So I'm, on, I'm cooking on this side, and then Mike is cooking on this side. Mm. I can hear everything they're saying. <laughs> so so I'm hearing, I'm hearing this little fella over here talk all this shit. And, and Mike is like, and I walked over to Mike at one point. I was like, man, I wish I was on your side of the kitchen. He goes, why? He goes, they're, they're the same. He was like, and you're closer to the grill. And I was like, nah. But, Amen. I was like, I have to hear everything. Yeah, you're hearing them critique. He goes, yeah. oh, shit. He's like, are they being mean? I was like, not to you. <laughs> so that has to be even tough. Like, the, while you're performing and, and doing your thing, you're in your zone, you actually are literally hearing critics oh, 100%. critique mm-hmm. in a negative. Like, that 100%. even is more challenging. Wow. 100%. Wow. Um, wow. Did you catch at any it's time just... that it was messing with you mentally? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Again, they discouraged. I started, yeah. to sec- I started to second guess it, and I've filmed more TV since. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I was in proximity mm-hmm. to the judges. I could hear them, mm-hmm. and I was starting to adapt my plan to what I was hearing. Mm-hmm. And I made something I wasn't super proud of, mm-hmm. but I. I got an opportunity to be careful. I got an opportunity to to still push forward, mm-hmm. and I was like, "I'm gonna shut it off." Sure, I'm gonna shut it off and stop yeah. listening to it. Yeah, yeah. I learned that from that situation. It's sure. like, sure. Um, I said the next time I went on a TV show, I would perform in a way that was fucking undeniable. Absolutely. Right. So that Reddit and all the trolls or whatever. <laughs> They can like they can say what they want, but they right. can't come in and say that you know it's not. Um, Shut them all up. Yeah. yeah so I was like, up. so like that's my goal now. Like, and I'll do more TV, but doing TV moving forward, awesome. It's it will be undeniable. Awesome. Like it will awesome. be it will be a flawless performance. No, yeah, you guys, and, you guys killed it. That was a dope, dope show. Yeah. And it's like you know I'm hearing all that shit talking, and like, but I'm also hearing like 
Ed not defend me, but try and be like, yo, guys, like, we're here. Like, mm -hmm. here's the premise of why we're here and mm -hmm. having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like you're not being fair to both these sure, guys. Sure. And, well, I think that was also the purpose in the sense of that's where the big brother aspect came in. You guys are you guys are coming to win. So one, this person is going to be the main winner. Mm -hmm. But then you also, in certain of the um, the challenges, you guys had to be each other's teammate. Yep. Like you have one of your guys that might have won. Your guys are opponents, but now this person's on your team helping you still get there. So that's what makes it more interesting that you guys have a more, the relationship of you guys is more intertwined rather than being extremely professional. Because mm -hmm. you guys are in on set, but you guys are living together for this period of time. 100%. So yeah, you guys build connections, but at the same time you build distances with the other people. So yeah, I think that's what made it even more interesting seeing the relationship dynamic. And we were living together 24 hours a day. And that's the other thing is that you didn't see a lot of like the interpersonal stuff, which mm -hmm. I think for a season two mm -hmm. would be the beautiful stuff for people to yes. see. Because I mean, we're like, we're making family meal for each other. We had family meal every night. We would do theme nights. So like the first night, out, the first night that we cooked for each other, mm -hmm. we had like pizza nights. So I made the pizza the other day mm -hmm. before, used the pizza oven. Nice. On it like three times the whole show, you saw the pizza oven games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we had taco night we did indian night like Facts. We just like Facts. we had like beer olympics one night like twister another night like oh yeah yeah they should like put some beer olympics and twister like, you know, who made a meal that you remember that's like memorable the, that was memorable in your case so i so yeah. i will say that of the food made on the show renee made things consistently that i thought were the most delicious mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whether they were the best representation of that challenge or not not necessarily the the case mm -hmm. but she made food regularly that i was like fuck that's good mm. and still to this day i'm like man she really like there there's an intuitiveness of flavor there for her um that is really really good now she wants to make what she wants to make yeah, yeah. like you're playing a game too you got to pay attention sure uh, but, uh, you know, her, her fatal flaw was in that last uh, monochromatic challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She tried something with a piece of, and like, my advice to anybody. Monochromatic, yes, yeah. My advice to anybody competing on a, a food TV show is never trust the equipment. Because it's there for a temporary amount of time. Like, mm. if it's not tried, true, and trusted, like, you haven't used it before in the competition and it worked for you, don't like, don't use it now. Yeah. But, like, she used the immersion circulator and it wasn't on. Mm. But also, um, there's things that you can do to that product mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, that she didn't do because she relied on her fundamentals and mm -hmm. a, a, a great working piece of equipment mm -hmm. to not have to use those additives. Mm -hmm. And it came back to, but I, I probably would have sure. put it in there. To, sure, like, sure. There's a, and you there's, can see where it kind of derailed a little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah so there's a, there's a product called transmutanamase, basically what is like meat glue. So if you have two protein sources pushing together with this sprinkled on the surfaces, it will fuse them together. You can cook it with them fused together. So she could have used that, but she didn't because she wanted it to be natural. Mm -hmm. And the way that she did it, it should have worked. Unfortunately, the water bath wasn't where it should have been. It didn't mm -hmm. function like the way that she's used to a water bath functioning. Okay. So it just didn't work out for her. But gotcha. um, but the idea was there. Yeah. It's like I, that's the thing. The idea could the ideal could be there as well and. You know, it's like, like culinary arts. Is, it's a very like I'm I'm nowhere near in that realm, but I was like I said, highly engaged, and I was like, this is deep. Yeah. There's a lot to this because again, yeah. for me, watching other shows, it's just entertainment, giving you this point of view. This is like you're learning. Yeah. So I, in a lot of ways, and plus I'm just you know learning more about you. So I'm like, 
okay, we in school. Damn, I thought that was a culinary and school. I, I mean, I mean, you saw me. Like these yeah. these kids knew knew how to do shit that I didn't know. Yeah, they was work, yo, they was working, like, bro. So was cool, like, every time they did something, I was like, show me that. Yeah. Show me that again. Yeah. Um, like yeah. one of the first days we did like breakfast, uh Caroline made holidays with a blender. She didn't do like traditional method. Mm-hmm. I was like, I never done that before. Show me how to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like was like, I'm making dipping dots. I was like, show me how to do that. Sure. Which is why my my finale and also like the finale story kind of got like edited out some. Mm-hmm. Um, super emotional for me, mm-hmm. not for Mike because it's just not that that guy. But mm-hmm. like, it was you know my finale theme was a journey home, mm-hmm. and it was the first fine dining dinner i'd ever had out with my dad mm-hmm. but redone my way with yes all of yeah. with all of the things i had learned from them throughout the show yes so each dish had something that i learned from one of them throughout the entire show wow um and but also in the guise of it being this meal that i had and mm-hmm. it being super important and mm-hmm. also told the story that you know like I, we lost my childhood home mm-hmm. and probably right around the time i was like 18 19 and um I felt like I didn't find, didn't feel at home again until I met my wife. Mm. Mm. Kind of like that whole, you know, that whole story and that whole arc. But it really was like I was learning from these guys in real time and then applying the things that I learned. Sure. But one of the things I learned on, on look, if you're going to go on a food TV show, <laughs> this is the one thing that you need to know. Do not fucking trust the blast chiller. Not ever. <laughs> the blast chiller. Very specific. Yeah. The black don't trust them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you unless you put about ten drops of water in there and you see it freeze in under fifteen minutes, don't trust it. Dang. Yeah. Dang. So like that's so (laughs) on pressure cooker. Yeah. Like after the first two people did something in the blast chiller and it didn't. He was like, set up. like good nope. Nope. Good I'm gonna that. go old school with a tray and ice and rock salt in the freezer. I love like it. country ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was very entertaining. Yeah. So, Robbie, I have other curiosities. Uh, you're with First Form? Yeah. So, how did you get linked up with First Form? Uh, I was a fan and a supporter for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, so, I originally, you know, when, when I went down, like, the self-development, like, pathway, you know, I started listening to, like, Tim Ferriss and uh, okay. Lewis House, and then Lewis House had Andy on as a guest. And then I was like, man, I really like this guy. I like the candor that he that he works with. So then I started listening to the MFCEO project, and I went back and listened from episode one. And because we would do this is when I was building the meal prep company, and we would do our own deliveries. So while we were out on deliveries, I could pound through like two, three episodes or whatever because I'm out there for four or five hours. So I just hammered through them on. I was like, man, I really like this. So then I started buying the products and stuff like that. And one of their um, one of their legionnaires, legionnaire coaches at the time, was friends with me online, and he was like, "Hey man, you know, like I know that you're like at the beginning of your journey and like figuring things out, but would you want to be a part of this program?" Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I jumped in to be a legionnaire and dived into that program and got the education, was coaching a few people and getting getting some results and stuff like that. But I've always been a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I follow, I share the brand. Um, yeah, they're dope. They're dope. Yeah, uh, their culture as a brand. I went out there the one year that they opened up, just by happenstance, that they opened up Fall Fest. Where was this at? So St. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. Okay. So I went. Um, they sold tickets to Fall Fest, like they sell tickets to Summer Smash, and it was the only year that they did that. Mm-hmm. And so I went out and went to Andy's farm. I met Andy, um, met his dad, met Sal. I actually ran a 5K next to Sal. He's pushing a stroller, but I was still close. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, 
you know, and, and got to really see the culture of that company. Mm. And the amazing thing that you don't, no matter what you, because Andy's intense, right? And the person that he is on the podcast, super intense and super direct and, and not always super nice, but that's what's required mm-hmm. in, in today's world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I love Jordan Peterson saying, like, you have to be capable of violence, but able to control it. Absolutely. Um, so I think that Andy really embodies that, uh, that kind of like personality type. But when you meet him, the amount of humility that he has mm. is incredible. I don't wow. know if you guys have ever had a chance to meet him or anything no, like I, that. Not yet. meet him, no. So not, not yet. He will walk right up to you, shake your hand, and say hi i'm andy like you don't know who the fuck he is like and it's like because he doesn't expect you to know who he is that's dope and i remember so i was at the farm and he pulled up on like a like a golf cart sort of thing and he gets up and he stands and i'm like also what you don't understand when you watch him seated at a podcast is the dude is like a fucking amazon man like he's gigantic yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so he stands up and he's towering over this golf cart making yeah. it look like a matchbox car wait how tall is he he's tall like he's tall and Emily just as tall as he is. So you're like, are you serious? Yo, yeah, oh, yeah. Kids are gonna be boxers. So he gets up and just by where I was at, I wasn't like, I was just like around the fire pit and I was the first person he saw. Mm. So he walked right over to me. He was like, hi, I'm Andy. Wow. That's what's up. Like, I know who you are. And like, I gave him, you know, props. Like I, at, the, at the time I was an RT member and, and I was like, you know, I'm in Arte and you've really helped my business. We've grown from this to this. And I appreciate what you do. And he was like, yeah, man, fucking love that. Gave me a fist pound and then just moved on to like the next person. Um, and his dad, so, and then I'm like asking for like photos with athletes. I remember his dad standing next to one. I asked uh, Claire and Hannah uh, Jamraz at the time, but Hannah Jones now, two of their uh, elite athletes. I was like, hey, can I get a picture? Because I followed them online. They're like, yeah, sure. And his dad's like, oh, you don't want a fucking picture with me? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, sorry, Jim. Get it, But just hanging out at the farm, playing pool and, and all that stuff and really got to feel like what that culture is. Sure. And the one true word for that culture is welcoming. Like, it's awesome. They, it's a good feeling. They are, like, amazing. So Very good. Um, I had actually kind of, like, I realized throughout like my pro like while I want to help people, I want to coach people and I'm good at motivating and coaching people, like coaching people in that format is not necessarily for me. Mm-hmm. I can inspire people in that format. Mm-hmm. But, so I kind of like took a step back from being a legionnaire and focused on survival mm-hmm. mainly because uh, you know, came home and, and separated from business partner and had to refigure out like how I was gonna make an income and how we were gonna pay our bills and stuff like that while we worked all that out. So I'm like struggling to do all of that. And then I guess uh, Tyler, so if anybody's a fan of the MFCEO project from back in the day, he's MC Salmon Pants. Like Andy used to call him MC Salmon Pants. He used to walk in with these salmon colored shorts all the time. And uh, he was the original recorder of the podcast. He would, you know, record it while Andy and Vaughn were talking. Okay. Um, So I guess he put a post out to like their people like hey looking for a chef to do some cooking videos does do do we know a celebrity chef or yeah. something like that and a bunch of the guys that like work in the office were like this guy's been a legionnaire for a long time still and he's uh you know he's done this show this show this show so tyler reached out to me and i'm like i think that's mc Samuel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what was going what were you feeling what was going through your mind when you got that call of like hey we want you to embark with us and, and join us 
unbelievable gratitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like, here's this opportunity, this amazing company with these amazing people that mm. I truly believe in and admire. Sure. They want to, they want to have my expertise come and be a part of That's their brand. Dope, bro. It's huge. Um, immediately going, I need to pr provide tons of value, but I need to not let them walk on me. You won't be the newbie. Pussy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> walk all over you like yeah. that. So, um, yeah. but uh, we had that conversation, the first conversation, and, and I guess he liked it. Um, and at the end of the conversation, I was like, I got a question. He goes, yes, I fucking am. And I'm like, your MC Sam pants. He goes, yeah. <laughs> He's like, He's like, I'm fucking pants. I'll never, I'll never live those pants down. Worst decision ever. Right? He still, he still wears them though. Oh. And he's, by the way, like you, when you would listen to him back in the day on the on the podcast, yeah. like I had a totally different vision for what that guy was gonna look like yeah. when I met him. And he's like, fucking, so fit and so like, yeah. I mean, he beast he mode. does the work. Sure, beast mode. Um, That's dope. So then you know he he was like, I have one of our athletes. And I followed Jenna Fail. Uh, you know, she can't cook worth a shit. Like, <laughs> is what he told me. And we want the show to be about you teaching her how to cook. Sure. Um, now, she can cook, but she cooks the things that she cooks. Mm -hmm. um, so we meet, and there's there's some chemistry between the, two, between the three of us. And he's basically like, okay, I'm sending you a videographer, a photographer, the manager. You're gonna go to you're gonna go to Jenna's, and you're gonna film. And I want you to cover these things, but like figure it out. Wow. And so I did that and we filmed the first season and I'm like, then I'm like looking at myself in the mirror going like, something's got to change. Like something's got to change. I'm involved with this brand. I'm not a good representation of this brand. I don't want to be that fucking guy. So you feel like you wasn't giving it, you feel like something was missing on your part? Oh, hundred percent. Like okay. I felt, I felt like, you know, from a physical standpoint, you know, I'm now with first form and they are about like, real people oh, meaning real people where they are it's 100 percent who they are yeah but also i'm standing next to a first form athlete sure and the camera guy is a team member at first form that's lost 100 fucking pounds doing wow. 75 hard wow and like you have all this influence around you and then jenna's husband walks in the room i don't know if you've ever seen chris fail but he, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so he's jack yeah um, so he walks in the room and I'm like, I'm next to like a couple supermodels and, shit. and then this guy's lost a hundred pounds. Here I am like not happy with where I'm at. Right. Like, I gotta, I gotta do something. Right, 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 right. So I actually went home. That's good that though was... that you had that awareness though, not to yeah. cut you off. It's good that you have that self-awareness of realizing like, okay, I'm around some people who take care of themselves. Uh, this time that I'm getting ready to do this for me now. Yeah. Yeah, that's dope. And it was having to... Like knowing that I had to put out a good product, like we had to put out a good show that was useful to people, and it changes all the time. We figure out more and more and more, like what that, what it means to be fail-proof kitchen, mm -hmm. and we're adapting and it's getting better every single time we film. Mm -hmm. But I went home with a sense of like, I'm not, I'm not doing the work from a brand I got perspective. You. I got you. I follow. To I'm not doing the work necessary to deserve this chance. Mm -hmm. uh, and it actually like fucked with me a little bit. Mm -hmm. I went on a downslide mm -hmm. and I put on some weight when I went home from the first season and I was like, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. And I remember reaching out to Tyler and just thinking like by proximity, being closer to this company and these people is going to make me better. Sure. sure. So I just remember reaching out to Tyler and going, hey man, like if there's anything else I can do to help 
write recipes, be a part of whatever. I would love to do that and be a part of that. And he reached back out to me. He said, well, he said, do you know Bella? She's one of the, one of their athletes now. She went through a tremendous transformation. He goes, we did a series that I called True Form with her when she was going through her transformation. Mm-hmm. Would love to do that again. And we were going to do it with somebody mm-hmm. and it didn't work out. Ironically, his name was Robbie, too. So, uh, would you want to do it? Wow! And I'm like, well, tell me more about it. It's basically like we want to we want to bring you in and go through our program for a full year. We want to videotape it. True. Um, so that's what I'm doing right now. So at that point, from that point, uh, at my largest in my life ever, um, down 32 pounds. Beautiful. Uh, That was July. So. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was July. Uh, and in full disclosure, I probably should be down a little bit more than that. Uh, I'm a caterer in the holidays. And, uh, you know, lost, 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 and so I think, I think now I'm on like day 15 of 75 hard. Like okay. I started the, the new year with everybody else. Okay. Um, I just focused on, you know, being a good representation of the brand, but more importantly, I got a little girl on the way. Yep. She's here in two weeks, Congrats. and uh, my father died at a young age from largely things that should have been avoidable mm-hmm. uh, because he didn't take care of himself. There was no physical fitness there. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was no mm-hmm. dietary discipline, physical fitness, nothing. Uh, he died from lung cancer, but like he could have fought it longer had sure. he been in a good physical place to yeah. do it. And I just like, I'm not going out like that. I'm going to walk my little girl down the aisle. Yeah. I'm going to, like, because he wasn't there when I got married, you know? And I'm just like, I'm not going out like that. And that was a big, like, between, like, feeling like I had had this opportunity that I had, I had worked for come into my life, being grateful for it, but not feeling deserving because I wasn't doing the work and knowing that I was going to be a father. And I'm staring at, like, and it was like, I went to the, I went to the doctor and they were like, you have, like, fatty liver disease. Or like the starts of fatty liver mm-hmm. disease. And I'm just like, holy shit. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. And I was like, and then I like, and then I'm going out to film season two. Yeah. And I put on my first form chef jacket to go film season two. I'm like, I just grabbed it out, put it on. Yeah. And it was like, I almost couldn't fit into it. Gotcha. And I was like, fuck me. Wow. Yeah, man. It's like, only was I not the best representation when we filmed the first one, but then you... worse right. now. Right. And it was like, and all these things, I was like, it's got to fucking happen now. Sure. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful for them and fortunate for them. I went out to visit HQ, and when you go out to their headquarters, mm. it's a whole different. Like, you can't understand it until you've seen it. Mm. Like, people talk about it online. You listen to the podcast, and guests talk about it, what mm. it's like to go there mm-hmm. and to see things. But it's you can't understand it. Really? Like, you cannot understand the level of culture wow. and the level of excellence in that building mm. until you walk in it. From the moment you walk in and the way that you are greeted to how the bathrooms are to how every chair every table is they don't have a cleaning crew they don't hire anybody to clean they all self-clean mm. wow okay. so i'm in and i'm watching because yeah, i've been a fan of the show yeah, yeah. And i've heard all the stories about yeah. the bathrooms and the, like andy <laughs> talks about cleaning the bathrooms and stuff like that yeah so i'm like i've heard all that yeah. and so i'm in the bathroom i finish up somebody finishes up next to me they're uh washing their hands mm-hmm. and there's water in the sink and a couple drops on the counter and they go over grab a paper towel dry the drops off the counter wipe the faucet and dry dry the whole sink out so it looks like it's a brand wow. new sink when they're done wow mm. and then throws it away That's dope. and i was like 
Holy shit. It's like, all right, all right. So then I look, and they're, I'm doing the tour. Mm. Like, they do a tour, and they're like, notice the wheels on all the chairs. And you look down this whole giant building, and all of the wheels, like, on all these swivel chairs, mm. they're all facing exactly the same. Oh, this is OCD to the max. Like, I'm playing. And, up. Like, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, man, that's so fucking hard. How, how annoying. Like, I'm, like, like there's literally somebody who literally no, no, no. fixes these wheels? No. So, basically, like, they have a way that they put the chair back. Oh, so they're just like very... They, they, do, they do, like, a little circle and put the chair back. And that makes sure all gotcha, the wheels are gotcha. in the same direction. Okay. Uh, but, like, you know, on this table, like, you know, they're, you know you'll see, like, prints from us leaning on it or whatever. Yeah. They have, like, cleaner in all the rooms. And they... Immaculate. Spotless. Wow. All of the Good weights, and, all of the weights in the weight room culture, yeah. facing exactly the right, the same direction. Mm. They have... So, they have pre, pre-workout, post-workout on a table for everybody. Mm. So on a black tablecloth, you know, you know, all those cotters are white and shit, mm-hmm. so they can see. So if like somebody leaves like a bucket mask, yeah. Wow. There's a towel there, like a microfiber towel for you to wipe it up. Don't leave your fucking, don't leave your Formula One dust on that table. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, yeah. they will. Yeah. Somebody will hold you accountable. Wow. Yeah, it's about accountability, man. Yeah, sure. It's everything. And Same it's, thing with seventy-five hard. That's why you're doing it. Hundred percent. You know, um, I always hear people say, you know, I would die for my kids, but you also got to live for them too. You know, and I'm pre- and that's something that you should hang your head high on. You know, that's uh, it's it's hard. Seventy five, seventy five hard is hard. I don't know if you guys know what it is. I've heard of it, not too much of it. So I mean, you know, last night's a perfect example. So I got up. I'm, I'm looking at another business opportunity. So I got up early, and went to do that. I was planning midday to get my outdoor workout in. Didn't work out. Conversation went longer than it was supposed to, and then we had to prep for a dinner party. So we went did the dinner party and everything like that. Now I had kept to my diet, 100%, had my water in, but you have to read 10 pages of a nonfiction book. You have to have an outdoor workout, indoor workout. Both of them have to be 45 minutes and they can't be consecutive. So there has to be at least an hour mm. in between. Wow, So and like all that is a 75 heart? For 75 days. Got you. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, no alcohol, no cheats on the diet. You have a Skittle, you're fucking done. I'm over here like, yeah, I think I might start that next week. Yeah. Boy, I start that next week. And you have to take and you have Damn. to take a progress picture. So it's like a flip book when you're done every single day. And those are those are the tasks. And um so last night I get I'm like on my way home from like cleaning up. I'm like, I got like all of my shit to do. Mm. So I went, put on my weighted vest, put my jacket on, went yeah, out, boy, went boy, out boy. for a walk. Good. Um did my walk in my neighborhood's hilly, so I like okay. just do hills. So I did the the walk outside. I came in, I read my ten pages, I puttered around the house, did like some computer work and stuff like that, and then I went down, put the weighted vest on, and went and did the treadmill in my house. Like much respect. You gotta have a routine. Like, yeah. like one, I'm gonna learn more 20. about this. It was like one twenty. Yeah. So I'm excited to have <laughs> to to leave out of here and go get my workout. Yeah. That's one thing out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so right after. Um, I started this true frog process and everything. I went to do 75 hard and I failed and I started again. And I failed mm-hmm. and I wasn't here. I wasn't mm-hmm. up here because mm-hmm. I've done it before and been successful mm-hmm. and made it all the way through. Uh, but I wasn't ready here. Mm-hmm. And like, finally I just like put it down for like a month. It was like, okay, like I'm, something's fucked up mm-hmm. and, and I can't keep doing this because it's actually making it worse. Yes. So put it down. I was like, what, what is, what's going on? What is, where, like, what, where's the blockage? And it was like self-sabotage. You're still, you're still 
telling yourself every day you don't deserve this opportunity. Your self sabotage is real. And it's then, real. Yeah. And then somebody said to me, literally every mistake, everything you've ever done, every tear, every hard thing, every good thing, has led you to this opportunity. Why on fucking earth would you think that you didn't deserve it? And I was like, Wow. Good point. That's what I'm talking. And then I just, you know, I kept with, I kept with the diet and everything and working out every day. And what's beautiful about that point was. I was still forcing myself to go to the gym every day. And at some point, like the end of November, right around Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. I realized that I no longer don't like the gym. <laughs> I like the gym. I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that. Because you hear so many people say, oh, I can't stay in the gym. Uh, There's a threshold there is. that you have to go through until you feel like it's so even decent. I don't even think really people are like, yo, I love the gym. Cause I mean, look what you're doing. You have to be somewhat crazy to go to the gym, put microfiber tears in your micro tears in your muscles and go through the soreness and the agony. And it, it, it's crazy. But yep. at the same time, there's a threshold to be beat where you, you can do it. Yeah. It's so I hate when I hear people say, I can't do it or I hate it's the gym. when you're uncomfortable like anything else. Yeah, there's it's a threshold. You don't man. Do it. But also you do have to steer yourself into things that you like to do. Yeah. Now, there's something to be said for pushing through the threshold of what you're comfortable with. Sure. But, like, if you're not a yoga and Pilates person, <laughs> don't go to fucking yoga. Yeah, like, no Don't, like, yeah. if it's not your thing, don't try and, like, make yourself a yoga person. Absolutely. Like, you need to get the movement in. You need to get the resistance in. That's what you need to there get you in. Go. And when I was doing my first workout for True Form, I did it with one of their, um, their uh, trainers. Mm -hmm. His name's Don Brown. He's a football guy. Mm -hmm. And Don, Don said to me, I think exactly how he phrased it because it sounded ridiculous in the moment but then it's like been something i like poked myself just trying to think of how exactly mm -hmm. he phrased it but it was like um the plan is moved the plan has moved no, the plan the is. Plan is moved oh the plan like, is moved your oh. plan is moved yes like wow and and he'll text me every once in a while send me like an instagram message after that workout oh. see you moved yeah see you moved like that. like so i'll do like the walks uh, i'll i'll post on instagram when i'm out with my vested walk and i'll be like walks walks for winnie because mm -hmm. winnie's gonna be the name of my daughter beautiful and he'll see that and he'll go yeah it's moved yeah you moved yeah you move and it's and it's literally like so it was just that i was going to the gym every single day Sick. because at the time i <laughs> i didn't want to do the walks like a lazy fuck. Mm -hmm. um so i was going to the gym every day and just clicked i was like but i like went from i was like i gotta like get to a place so like i was on a program within the first form app and it just wasn't super my jam mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. i'm not a huge like uh, resistance bands have their their use and their particular like methods and and exercises that they're great with but I, like it was like very resistance bandy and stuff mm -hmm. like that and i just went to like traditional moves mm -hmm. i switched the program and I was just going in, I was going to the gym and I was working through the whole program. Mm -hmm. This is the first time in my life that I've ever worked through a whole program without somebody standing next to me. Sure. I have a trainer that I work with a couple of sure. times a week and he holds me accountable. Sure. Um, but I'm like going through the whole program. I'm, I'm like, like, I was like, I was sitting at home and I'd already gone to the gym and I'd already walked and I like, it was a day, a odd day off. And I was like, I think I'm gonna go back to the gym. <laughs> yeah. You start falling in love, you would have like two times a day. Plus, yeah. plus we had a really nice gym, like moving like, like right outside my neighborhood. Okay. So like all we really had in the area was like some really like uh, pump it up. Like you're not welcome if you're not a power builder. Mm -hmm. Like gyms, um, the CrossFit 
in my area, it's CrossFit cult. It's not that way everywhere, but it's, yeah, don't it, you it, CrossFit. And it's Planet Fitness. Sure, like, yeah. That was it. Sure. So we got this uh, Edge Fitness right next to my house, mm. and it's fantastic. Sure. Yeah, it's convenient, and, too. Yeah. And they have the they have the powerlifting move room, which, I mean, me, six months ago, mm. I'd have never fucking walked in that room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never felt comfortable. Never felt like it was my place. I would have felt like I was taking someone else's spot by being in that room working mm. out. Like wow. I am, I am a fraud being wow. in this room, and they had one of the one of their athletes, Big Ty. Mm-hmm. So if you follow, I mean, Ty's. I mean, he got biceps, but Ty's like <laughs> Big Ty. His okay. his biceps were the size of my thighs. Gotcha. I'm like, whole, like this guy, this guy, this guy benches five hundred, and he comes in, he's super nice or whatever, mm-hmm. and like, we like ask the edge because we needed to film, mm-hmm. like could we film? They're like, yeah, you can go in the garage because like there's only serious people that like work out back there. Sure. So like if anybody's in there, they're just gonna stay out of your way, sure. be cool with it. Um, and I went in there with him, and I hadn't even walked in the room. Yeah. Like I hadn't, like I'm like I'm going in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's on my spot. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I like this, you get your own little rack, you just like own little section of the world. So now like when it's super busy out the main gym, I mm-hmm. go in there all the time now. Mm-hmm. But it's like it. People think it's not for them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that particular thing is not for them, but a form of it is for them. Absolutely. They just have to figure out what that is. What it is. So yep. Whether it's you know martial arts and martial art training is yes. going to give you the physical yes. fitness you want, yes. or you know traditional weightlifting, or Tabata style, or you know body weight movements, Pilates. Like there's yep. tons like sports. There's tons of things out there that could be your thing. You just have to find out what it is. Absolutely. And don't resign yourself to it's not for you because you haven't done the reps. Thank you. That's true. I'm so glad. Thank that's you. An, you're, Thank it's you. absolutely true, man. Yes. If there's if there is a poster child for it not being in you and not being for you, <laughs> like it's me. Like there was no example of physical fitness in my household. Mm. No example of physical fitness or dietary discipline mm. because my 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 grandparents grew up kind of without resources. So that my dad's generation was the first one with some resources mm-hmm. and it was like well we have money to eat mm-hmm. so we can eat whatever the hell we want sure, sure. so if we want to sit down and eat two two boxes of beer flip bars we're gonna do it and pound pound a caffeine free pepsi yeah. like that's what we're gonna do like, you know so it's because wow. that's that's i remember particularly like the, the can the can <laughs> the like the like um brownish looking yeah, can yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i was like that was very specific yeah, yeah. <laughs> And root beer float bars. Root beer float bars came uh, via the Schwann Man. Because when the Schwann Man came around our neighborhood in Maryland, it was like, "Ooh, look at this fancy shit!" <laughs> so like, we we had so we had a grocery store in the town that I grew up in. One traffic light, but we didn't have a gas station until I was like fourteen. Oh, so you live in a small town. Oh yeah. Okay, okay. How far are we from uh, Baltimore? Hour. Oh, okay. Hour. But uh, so still on the eastern shore, but very like farming town, rural. Is it was it an hour more inland? Yeah. So like if you if you come down the coast, like New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, I'm still like it basically in that line. You're just an hour. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Um, basically like twenty minutes past the Delaware line, but it's all all farming country and farm town, farmland and stuff like that, and it was yeah in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Man. We had to drive 40 minutes, 40 minutes to Middletown, Delaware to go to like a legit grocery store. You know, we had like a little grocery store in town, which was wonderful, yeah. but like a Walmart, 45 minutes. Yeah, you're in the middle of nowhere. Yep. A mall. So at the point, so Christiana Mall, which is like the thing now, uh, but it was like when I was growing up, it was like the trash mall. So you went to Dover Mall, which was an hour. Wow. 
just to get to the mall. Yep. Yeah, we, I guess I'm lucky. I had all I had all the malls around me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, this was great stuff today. Um, Excellent. What, like, closing questions do you have for Robbie? Um, so, I mean, if there, well, again, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm pressing, just let me know. But is there any future upcoming events that you can speak on to, like, maybe keep people engaged and excited about, you know, immediate projects? Yeah, so... You, so we're in season three now of Fail Proof Kitchen. We filmed a fourth. Okay. Maybe we're in season two when we filmed a third. But there's a whole other season of Fail Proof Kitchen. So that drops on YouTube on uh, First Form University channel every single week on Mondays. We drop a new episode. It's a great balance of just great cooking technique and tips, mm -hmm. but also meal prep tips. Like this week coming out, it's going to be um, all the different ways to meal prep chicken. And not make it suck sure there's another video i'll our, watch that so there's another video <laughs> which is our most watched video which is uh ground meats and that's all i eat so they always yeah so that's all i eat ground meats i will most watched episode okay and like these episodes where we go through meal prep they always show i, I like look at the camera we do uh -huh. hard, we gotta have fucking heart to heart <laughs> you're you, your fucking ground meats and your great ass bullshit. You assholes, you assholes dumping that fucking whole thing of ground meat to a pan and turning yeah. it on. Sorry. Stop that. <laughs> so, I apologize, Robbie. So I just did it the first time, like, just as, like, we're just, like, I'm obviously kind of loopy because we filmed, like, so many episodes in a row. And, like, they do this whole, like, transform me into the devil as I'm talking. And it goes from, like, Stop. from, like, we have the Haru <laughs> like, like flames on the sides of me yeah. and everything so the, the chicken episode is the same thing like okay. i know your chicken's dry see it's dry you know you're fucking parched yeah. and it like yeah you gotta like I'm drink the water to swing it down i've tried a few chickens i'm like dang i yeah. got peanut butter and jelly i guess for the night. um so that dropping definitely uh check out uh they they did a nice thing for me and this is what first form does and they didn't tell me about it but they they put me and i think that's how you saw me they put me in the highlight reel for the transformation challenge i did see that um, so the the true form uh that we've been working on in my transformation will start dropping episodes i don't know okay. when, but that'll start coming out soon that'll be on the first form university channel as okay. well uh, i did film more tv mm. competition tv nice, nice. i can't say for what network sure. i can't say what show but okay. that'll be out in like eight months awesome be on the lookout yeah you're a busy man and we're really grateful that you was able to spend time. Yeah, and I'm grateful to be here. This, this, place, this place is a legend. Thank you, yeah. thank you, man. It's be great to be appreciate here. it, man. John. Did you have any closing questions? Um, basically, what I wanted to ask you is, uh, you know, how you said you never stop learning. What, as we close out, what is a dish that was difficult for you to learn, and you finally got it? Like you mm. learned it, you did this. A good question. This was yeah, your is dish. And you finally got it. You tasted like, that sucker. It was like finally yeah. Oh, I did that. Did this me? So, so I would say there's still things that I'm not good at, um, which are like a, a lifelong process. So I would say more than just a specific dish, it was, and I think that this is important for a lot of things. That's why I'm gonna like say it this way. Mm. So, I've never been someone who's been in love with my own food. Like, I know technically it's seasoned well, technically it tastes good, technically it looks nice, but I, I always see the holes in it, right? But I always saw the holes in it because I was never doing it for me, and I was assembling something, not creating something. 
So, so since coming home from pressure cooker and watching, you know, even though, you know, he and I didn't necessarily see eye to eye on the show, watching Sergey sit so much in who he is as a chef and what Mm. foods and flavors he likes. Like I admired that. And there was a whole exchange between he and I that you didn't see on the show Mm. that went into that. Like, you know, him kind of feeling down on himself and me going like, I don't understand Mm -hmm. because you are so much you, like you put a plate out. I know it's you. And what I have done since the show is learn to strip away the assembly and cook it and feel it while I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And be very intentional mm-hmm. about. So the dish that I have struggled and had an epiphany moment about making mm-hmm. is a dish, is dishes that I find exceptionally delicious. Since the show, I have ripped away that I'm building it to build it, or this is the way that my previous, we did it in this restaurant, or this guy did it, or whatever, and just fundamentally, how do I make it the best it can be, mm-hmm. season it the best it can be, and the result has been, mm-hmm. I never, not once, not ever before going on that show, had a moment where I tasted something of mine and went, fuck that delicious. I've probably had 15 cents because I just am not going through the motions anymore. I'm feeling what I'm doing, I'm mm. tasting it. And I've just made so much food since then where I taste it, I'm like, fuck, that's good. <laughs> that's good. And so you're almost learning to enjoy the journey. Like you're almost learning to well, just enjoy what you're making. But I'm learning to make it mine. Exactly. You're attached exactly. to it. Yep. Wow. No matter what you're doing, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you choose to do for a living, I think there is a certain point where you are doing it somewhat like, you were doing it someone else's way, the way you were taught, the way that you learned, the way that mm. they said it should be, the way that your customer said it should be, or whatever. Sure, sure. And at a certain point, whatever your product is, you need to make it for you in a way that makes sense for you because only then can you stand behind it with everything you have and say that this is the best. And wow. Yeah. I, like, that's a bar. That's, yeah. That's a bar. Can we have some cheers to that? Bro? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bar, man. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's uh, that's great, man. Uh, my closing question is: What does the book "How to Stop Worrying and How to Start Living" mean to you? <laughs> I was saving this for you. Don't man. add another fifteen minutes to this, man. You got to wrap up. I know. I got. I just want. So, that's a, that's a deep cut. I don't know where the fuck you got that from. Um, I was at a real weird spot, like right out of culinary school, and not really knowing my place. And, and not really knowing like where I was gonna go. Mm. And the chef at the time handed me that book. And I was like, oh, like always in my head about worrying about shit, worrying about like, even like worried about my dad. Like I know he's never gonna be able to retire. He hasn't saved any money. Like, like what's he gonna do? Mm. And mm. he was like, you know, I'm seeing you're in a weird spot. And just understand no matter where the weird spot is or how weird it feels, someone else has been there. And he handed me that book, and I read that book, and that book was the moment in my life where I realized that there were other people that go through things, that have been through things, been through worse things, and there's a wisdom and a knowledge there in the universe. If you seek it out and you want to correct it and be better, that you could find it. I truly, his name's Chef Rob Parker, I truly do not do not know where I would be if he never handed me that book. Wow. Wow. That's powerful, man. Thank you.
Chef Bob Barker. Thank you. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Because he got you on the got you on track to where you're at. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, Robbie, listen, we appreciate you being on here. This is awesome. You were Excellent. you enlightened us on a lot of things and informed I had no idea about a lot of things you were saying. So now we're all we're all really informed. Um but yeah, man, just thanks for thanks for being on and hopefully we can do this in the future too. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'd love to come back. You're a friend now, yeah. Now yeah. come get a workout in with us. You're a brotherhood of Attila's now. Six AM. Maybe I'll get a hotel tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pay for it for you. We got you. <laughs> but yeah, if you guys like you, you listen to this podcast, you have any questions for a future episode, meal prep questions or whatever, like I would love to come back. He's the man, absolutely. We'll definitely have you on boss. All right. Let's just spend out, guys. Take care. Peace.